0: The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen in to these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in modern clinic. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. (music) Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Meiwei Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're
1: truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit meiwei.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own
0: in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese
1: culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com.
0: This season and every season, trust meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always,
1: thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
0: Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up in available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, You can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to CHEOLOGICAL. I am really excited today to be talking with uh, Mott Sexton. Matz is an acupuncturist in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was the guest on Everyday Acupuncture, episode 56, Clarifying Vision. We were talking about using acupuncture and Chinese medicine to treat degenerative eye diseases, in particular an impossible disease to, re- to treat, uh, macular degeneration. Today... We are going to go into some of these microsystems, where they came from, where these points are, and more importantly, how you use Chinese medicine in a holistic way to treat these kinds of issues. Mats, welcome to Chiological.
2: Thanks again.
0: Yeah, Glad great to, to see you. Yeah. yeah,
2: Glad to be here face-to-face in person.
0: We're face-to-face <laughs> in person. In fact, we're here at the international headquarters of uh, PIN Doctor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mats, this system is something that came to my attention, I can't remember when, but I remember that it was kind of shrouded in secrecy, there was kind of a, an underground buzz about it, it's like, oh, there's this guy somewhere, and there's these special points, and supposedly people are reversing macular degeneration, and you kind of hear about this stuff, but looking into it was really difficult. And getting information and even trying to get any kind of training was basically impossible a few years right. ago. Can you give us a little background on this system and, and how you found out about it?
2: So my, it was kind of a, a obscure way of learning about it. We had a family friend who had developed macular degeneration up to that point. I had no idea what that even was. So this was back in probably 1998, Something like that. I was still a, I was like a, in my sophomore year of acupuncture school. and somebody passed an article along to my dad. It was in some kind of obscure magazine called Country Living, I think. but there's an article in there about it said something like, "Can this man save your sight? And so it was about uh, an acupuncturist from Denmark named Per Ade. And he uh, had learned this protocol from a colleague named Freddie Dahlgren. Per then came over to originally Texas, I believe, and then subsequently up to Arkansas and was uh, treating people with these degenerative eye diseases with acupuncture. So being a student, I had to write a thesis paper and I I called down to the clinic and I thought, wow, this would be a great topic or I'd love to even learn it so I could help our family friend. So I called down there and, you know, I spoke to him very briefly and he said, you know, call back sometime or, or we'll have classes in the future so I'm a pretty pretty determined individual. But I literally called back probably twice a year for five years. And, you know, kept getting kind of the shrug off. And then...
0: Twice a year for five years? Yeah. You're, you're like trying to get into the Zen monastery. you exactly. like keep knocking the at the door. Exactly,
2: the mountain to the monk yeah. on the top. But yeah, I kept kind of getting the, the brush off. And then just out of the blue, it was in uh, spring of 2003, I get this phone call from a pair And he said his his exact words. I remember he said, well, you're the next one who's been bugging me the most, so you can come down and learn it. (laughs) So I made my reservations and headed down to Arkansas. And I found out previously there was a group of acupuncturists that went down about two weeks before I did. Um, And then I went down, as I said, two weeks later. And then Pears' eventual replacement was also we trained in together for a bit.
0: So at some point, he just decided to start sharing it and... And there were a few people that he admitted in, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and it turned out, you know, what. So I'd waited so long to learn this, and then all of a sudden I'm down there sitting across the desk from him, and it was a little shell shocked because I'm all of a sudden handed all these, this packet of papers, which I showed you. So there was this contract that he wanted 25% of my income indefinitely, there was a confidentiality clause, and, uh, you know, so it was a little bit like, all of a sudden, what you know what do I do? I wasn't prepared for that this was supposed to be part of the uh the you know the engagement uh-huh. that was going to happen. I thought so I was he
0: was trying gonna, to franchise himself
2: basically yeah, I was trying uh-huh. to schedule us all out as as franchisees, so hmm. I was going to be the northern person, and then he had people on the other corners of the country so uh what do you do <laughs> became this uh you know, a little surprised, but I waited five years, as I said, and so I I ended up signing the contract, and I don't know that everybody did. So, you know, it was was very frustrating. Subsequently, after doing the training, um, I went home and had referrals from the clinic, which was supposed to be part of the deal, for about a month or two, and then those just stopped. And so then, you know, it was almost like, what was I expected to keep giving 25% of my income for business I generated. So, uh, you know, we commiserated a little bit with some of the other acupuncturists. We kind of had a mutiny on the bounty. I had a lawyer look at the contract, too, and he said it just wasn't valid and wouldn't hold up in Minnesota courts. And so it was frustrating, too, to find out that the protocol wasn't entirely his. It was developed by Freddie Dahlgren. And where Freddie, we were talking earlier, where Freddie got it or how he developed it, I do not know.
0: We do not know. What was Paris doing before he did acupuncture?
2: I had heard that he was a peat moss farmer. A peat (laughs) moss? Okay. So a perfect segue into acupuncture, I guess. I was a I'm B.A. in art history, so uh-huh. I guess okay. on similar lines. I used lines. to
0: do high tech. So I mean, <laughs> we all have our own unique way into this, no doubt. Yeah. So, so, so you learned it from him. You, so were, you from went to him. Arkansas, and yeah, what happened?
2: I always say I spent, um, you know, uh, a week, a, a year there. One week uh, <laughs> It was like the longest week of my life, and you know he. Spent time with me, sh- showing me the acupuncture points, but it wasn't really, you know, I felt like I could have been there maybe five hours or something instead of five days just for the what I learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was quite simple and it was quite a rote protocol, what I learned. So we only learned one version of the protocol. I guess there were several. And how that came about was later on, you know, there there's a, a document that was found where Pear had tried to patent the micro-acupuncture protocols. And in that document, I found several different versions, uh, I think three or four versions of what he had shown me initially. So that was quite a surprise to learn that
0: mm-hmm. too. And this document is in the public domain now. It is in the
2: public domain. You can just find it on Google. It's I have it linked on my website. and. Um, and I caused a bit of a kerfuffle, <laughs> I guess that's the word, with, there, there was a, a, a woman named Ingrid, and she has um, retinitis pigmentosa, which is another degenerative eye disease, a congenital one, and her friend, um, Jean, and they have a, a great website called DeterminedToSee.com. And they've been asking for these points for years, just to help more people, obviously. And Because uh, she's
0: been helped by this protocol, She's been is helped that correct?
2: by it, yep, yep. And so... In this article that, that they did about me, uh, we included those points. And so, yeah, some acupuncturists and pair came out of the woodwork at me a bit. What's been so frustrating about learning this protocol and having it and those those confidentiality clauses were so constraining and unfair in that I would have people come see me from, say, outstate or, you know, from farther away. And then they do their initial set of protocols, say they get benefit, and then, then what? Like, I wasn't supposed to, you know, they go home and what go blind if I don't share this protocol. Ultimately, it's just unethical and unprofessional to have something that could literally help probably 20 million people around the world with these degenerative eye diseases. And you're gonna hold that information and not share it? It's just, it's obscene. And, you know, so I fully admit I was part of that kind of problem. Like, oh, you know, I have this information. But ultimately, you know, some people I did share, even though I wasn't supposed to, I told their acupuncturists how to do it. But again, it became this ethical kind of thing. Like, if I don't share this with them, they go home and war, They go blind. Sadly, I mean, I guess fast forwarding the story a little bit. Unfortunately, Pear passed away from liver cancer in June. I was completely gobsmacked by that. I didn't know he was sick at all. Mm because we haven't really been in communication. What's so sad about... Well, it's sad that he's has passed away, but it's also sad that this amazing body of knowledge that he had is now just pretty much gone. And he trained... I mean, I think there were a few more subsequent to this initial group of us that went down, So, but maybe, I don't know, 20 were maybe taught by him, and uh, of that, maybe 10 of us are still practicing. But I think of what, how little... I even learned when I went down there for five days. And so what other information that he had with all that experience. So it's so sad that it's it's just gone.
0: So, and we're going to get into this a little bit later. I know you do classes. I know that you're very keen on making sure that people learn how to do this so they can help other people. And you're very keen on people retaining their eyesight, if at all possible, so they can live a better life. And, And we'll get into your classes and all that later. So... These, this uh, micro system that Paris got from Freddie, and we don't know where Freddie got it from. It's right. it's it's sort of shrouded in in some kind of mystery. It would be interesting more. to find out at some point if we could track that guy down. May, maybe I can get him on the show. So these points, these these supposedly magical points, can you tell us a bit about them? Sure. So the the, the
2: system he created, he calls it micro acupuncture, and so the idea with it is. There's more energy at the heads of the metacarpal bones, the long bones in the hands, and also the metatarsal bones in the feet. So long bones in the hands and feet. And so there's a distal and proximal point at the uh, the heads of those bones. And each one, it's divided up into different meridians, the equivalent of where they would line up on the hand or feet.
0: So you got like As the liver right. on the foot, and right. triple burner up on the palm. Right, and, yeah.
2: right. And so the idea is that you needle by the heads of those bones through the system, the the concept is there's more as I learned it, more energy at the heads of those bones. So, kind of a random selection of points for some of the protocols. The protocol I learned, I mean, it, it wasn't just standard like liver and kidney. I mean, there's a um, heart point and I think gallbladder and so you know. And why he chose those points, I I never learned and I'm I'm not sure. And then looking at the PDF document that's that's on the website and you can find on the US patent and trade site, there's I think three different versions of that that I didn't learn when I was in Arkansas. So, but basically the idea is it's a microsystem using the hands and feet with needling. And so the particular protocol I learned uses five points on each foot and then three in each hand.
0: And how often do you do these?
2: So the initial protocol that I learned um, back in 2003 from him, we were doing three treatments a day, each treatment at the time was a half hour with about an hour gap between. Somewhere along the line, maybe around 2005 or 6, I just felt like clients were getting very tired. It became a very long day. Just get seated and get comfortable, and then all of a sudden you pull the pins out. And so I switched it to doing two sessions a day for about a half hour needle retention with about an hour between. And uh, I found that that seemed to work quite well. It's interesting now finding out from clients who had seen Pear more recently, he was doing five treatments a day with, I think, 20-minute needle retention, and then uh, I'm not sure the time gap between.
0: Uh, wow, that's a lot of treatment. That is a lot. Uh, to me, it seems some people are more sensitive to acupuncture, and it could kind of wear them down by the end of the day. But we don't have him here to talk about those results. So. No,
2: so very interesting how, you know, the difference in how the protocol changed over time.
0: So, in your experience, and you've been doing this how long now?
2: Since two thousand three.
0: Since two thousand three. So, you have a not small years. amount of experience with yeah. this. And at this point, you're finding two treatments a day, at least initially. Is and, and so how would you um, space these out? I mean, evidently, when Paris was doing, it, people would like go for a week or something. What your if somebody comes to you and they've got macular degeneration, sure. they want some help. What? What would your treatment scheme look like?
2: So I typically do intakes on Monday mornings uh, for somebody coming if they're going to stay for a week, and then I do. I have a community style treatment room and also a single treatment room, but uh, so I have five chairs, and so it's pretty much how I, I treat. So my clinic's very small. I I don't really want i um, I've worked in really busy. Intensive community acupuncture settings before, and I find as a practitioner, it can be quite exhausting. And the setup I have, it works very well. Uh, when it's busy, I mean, it's it's busy, and I you know, but it's comfortable enough with the five chairs for me and for everyone else too. It doesn't feel like a you know some sort of warehouse, factory process. Um, to get back to your question, so I do the intakes on Monday morning. So I do a pretty thorough review of the health history. There's also some um, eye tests that I do including uh, just a standard um, Snellen eye chart, a near acuity chart, and then uh, something called contrast sensitivity, where we're seeing how much degree of light that the eye needs to process information. Uh, something's called Amsler grid, and I do some color field testing. And uh, I used to have a visual field scanner, but I'm looking at getting a, um, a retinal camera. And so, what does
0: a retinal camera do?
2: So the retinal camera, the, well, the difference is the visual field scanner has a little bit more subjectivity. So the client is testing one eye at a time, and there's a light that flashes all around the visual field. And when they see one of those lights, they click a button. So there's a degree of, of subjectivity, and, and it's not quite a perfect test oftentimes. Whereas the retinal camera and OCT, is a, it's a pretty much objective tests where they're just looking at it and there's a, a light that scans the retina. It's fascinating. It looks just like a, uh, if you can picture a uh, sedimentary layer on the bottom of a river, for example, or a set of layers of rock, where you can see that these layers of the retina, which is really less than a millimeter thick, but you can see it on this printout that's, you know, it'd be like an inch tall.
0: So you can really see what's happening right. in that area where the macula is. And
2: then the retinal camera is. A, it doesn't require the bright strobe lights, but you can get a, a visual image of the retina just like a photographic image. So I think that would be a much better test to really assess the, uh, the progress of the um,
1: acupuncture treatments.
0: Yeah.
1: Hello everyone, Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious and health supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming, or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory and practice it in your own kitchen and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much.
0: So it sounds like right now, the, the test that you just mentioned... You do these so that you have a way of giving yourself and the patient some way of of judging how the treatment's going. How often do you retest?
2: So I usually retest after 10 treatments and then after 20. And I guess I didn't finish the thought. So people, uh, when they come in, we'll do the intake on Monday morning. I'll do the two sessions of acupuncture in the afternoon. And then throughout the rest of the week, I do the acupuncture sessions in the morning. And then I'll retest again Friday afternoons.
0: So initially you bring them in for a week, you do two treatments a day.
2: Yeah. hmm Yeah, and instead of doing the testing, you want to do the testing initially so you have a baseline of how their vision is. And I require them to see their ophthalmologist and have a thorough exam, ideally within a month before seeing me, something pretty fresh and, and recent of how their uh, baseline, because it's important for the ophthalmologist to have those baselines as well. So when they come back and do their testing, that they can see, oh, wow, the, the, these changes. and But they always like to test on their own equipment, too, So,
0: which yeah. understandably. Well, and they've got that fancy retina camera, so exactly. um, you could just have them do that. Right. And, and do people that have macular degeneration usually come in with one of those? Is that a standard test that ophthalmologists would do?
2: Usually, either the visual field, which isn't as common, but if... More often than not, they use the the OCT, it stands for Optical Coherence Tomography, and that's the test that looks like the sedimentary layers. But that will um, allow ophthalmologists to assess whether or not there's bleeding or any other sort of abnormality in the retina.
0: So I mean, there's these points, and, and I suspect people listening to this right now might be getting excited, ooh, you know, magic points. I suspect that they're helpful, but, points by themselves usually don't make for a treatment. I, I mean, especially for something as systemic uh, as, a, as a chronic degenerative illness, usually you need something more than just acupuncture treatment. So what else do you do to help your patients?
2: So I'm doing the, the best that I can as far as trying to incorporate all five branches of Chinese medicine. So obviously the acupuncture, but then... Also incorporate uh, various forms of body work, so encouraging them to actually get some sort of body work. Also showing them acupressure points that they can do around the eyes. I have, um, <laughs> they're, it's quite silly, but they're, uh, may have seen them, they're drier balls. So they're hard plastic balls with little nubs on them, the size of a ball. But I send them home with those and have them roll them in their hands and then under their feet. But in that way, they're stimulating the uh, acupoints that we Do hands. you
0: show them where those points are? I do.
2: But they don't, you know, if they just if they're rolling them in their hands and feet, they don't have to be, you know, hyper accurate. I used to send them home with a little uh, knitting needle and have them actually uh, do some acupressure on the points themselves. But I, I think compliance was rather low on that. Um, but for the go-getters, I would I'll still show that uh, nutrition-wise, I'm I don't push a lot of supplements in my practice. I'm very much a food pusher. I Think in general, so much of us, whether we have eye diseases or not are malnourished and dehydrated and uh, so I'm a, especially older people if they're single so many people you know as they get older they've lost a spouse or you know, they're living alone or or maybe not have family nearby and so cooking becomes a, an issue so showing them really simple meals talking about different types of foods uh, really healthy foods and the amount of food that they would need in comparison to supplements too is often quite uh, you know they I think some people think they need to eat Carmen Miranda's hat or something of all these vegetables where you really don't need, you know, I save about, you know, a handful of leafy greens a day. and uh, So that's very vital or important to get those, just good nutrition. Although I do say if people, some people just won't eat a vegetable to save their life. So then that route, then I try to talk through the supplement uh, channel with them. And people may have digestive issues crohn's disease um, something like that irritable bowel where they don't process foods very well so having to go there there's a great company called nutritional focus that i like they use uh, liquid supplements so sometimes that's the route that you have to go if the gut is just not going to process food or supplements exercise wise i try to encourage a sweat a day so there's you know people make a lot of excuses for not exercising and so I I have that's part of my health history trying to just discern why or why not they're they're exercising but showing them even simple things like exercise bands like if they can't get out for visual reasons or, or other functional reasons the exercise bands they could use those just even seated in a chair or even there's this little stationary bicycles that just have the crank um just trying to give them some options and uh, over the last three years, I've, uh, we have an amazing program here in Minneapolis called Courage Kenny, and they work with people with all sorts of disabilities. And so I've been a ski racer uh, most of my life, or a skier at least, and so I work with them taking blind skiers out in the winter. And it is uh, just beyond the most rewarding thing I do all year. I'm seeing these people out with various, I mean, people with no legs, paralyzed, you know, blind, et cetera, et cetera, all out trying these things. And uh, I just feel like if I ever complain again, I should be just clobbed over the head with a board. I mean, I remember watching this one guy in a uh, the ski chair and uh, just falling over. He's on this almost flat bunny hill and just falling over and pushing himself back up and just falling over, but just trying and trying. It was... It's so inspiring. So, so there's
0: all kinds of ways, there are, even and, uh, if you've got a disability, right, to, to get some movement. Right. It, I want to pull this back for just a moment. On your website, it's really interesting. You have a phrase, macular regeneration.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that should catch people's attention. What can people expect in terms of a change in their sight? I mean, can you actually regenerate it or do you just slow it down or even it out? What can the average person expect? And, and generally speaking, out of 100 people, how many do you think you can help?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating process when people come in. And what's so amazing about it, too, is why I like that idea of regeneration is typically, and, and my dad's dealing with macular degeneration now, so it's very personal, Clients are typically told, "Well, there's nothing you can really do. Um, you're Here, maybe take this over-the-counter vitamin supplement, and you know, come back and see me." And so, there's really, this is such a great thing for Chinese medicine to step in and treat because, really, with Western medicine and dry form of macular degeneration, there's really not much treatment available. And so, it's just a tremendous, as I said, the uh, treatment for us to know. So typically, what most people will notice is an increase in brightness of their vision, usually an improvement in acuity, too. So I'm disappointed if I don't drop people a couple lines on the eye chart within those 10 sessions. We also test with the the Amsler grid, which looks like a piece of graph paper with a dot in the center. And so over time, those lines tend to straighten. There is something definite happening within the retina or the eye where, uh, I don't know if we're getting just more chi, more energy and more blood to the eye, that's the intent. But it's fascinating to see on the either the visual field scans or if, when people get subsequent OCT scans, there's usually definite changes
0: happening. So these OCTs, so. these are the ones that are like the, <laughs> looking at the sedimentary layers in right. a riverbed, you're seeing actual changes in the structure yeah. of the retina.
2: Yeah. And even I've seen, um, or through the scans, uh, there's, I've had clients with changes in scarring. So in the past, I don't think they do it so much anymore. They used to do laser cauterization when those vessels in the retina would bleed. And that, in a sense, would fix that problem, but it will cause visual disturbances. Because of the scar tissue? Of the scar tissue. So I've had people go back to their ophthalmologist like a year or so later, and they're like, you know, they can't find the scar tissue. You know, in in some cases, the only thing they've done is the acupuncture.
0: That's interesting. You mentioned with the macular degeneration, you said the dry type. How many types are there and how are they different?
2: So there's two primary types. And what we're looking at with these treatments, so the retina is the nerve bundle at the back of the eye. So I always talk about the retina, if you think of it like big picture. So what what we see with, if you think of looking out into a whole room, the very center part of the retina is called the macula. And that's about the central five degrees or so. It's quite small. And with that, we get all of our detail vision, our color vision, most, if you think of it, functional vision. Center of that is called the fovea, which is like the sweet spot of our, our visual. Fovea. So uh, two main forms of macular degeneration, one's called the so they refer to it as a dry form. So these little plaques called drusen build up in these vessels in the back of our eye. And depending on where they are, they're going to obscure different portions of our vision. So in that dry form, those little plaques or drusens just stay inert and uh, more of a nuisance than anything, but the more you get, the more vision you're going to lose. The trouble is when those little vessels break and bleed in the so-called wet form of macular degeneration, so you can think of it in some ways like maybe like having a stroke or an aneurysm. <laughs>
0: like, like a little mini stroke. Yep. In the so then you get like a bleed into that area. Right. And the
2: way I explain it, oftentimes, it will, again, in the class I have a slide of if you had two panes of glass and you squirted paint in between those and pushed them together and tried to look through that, you're going to get distortion as well as obstruction vision, depending on where it is and how much.
0: Do you find that the wet and dry versions respond differently to treatment?
2: Uh, The dry is usually easier to treat because there's less damage to the retina. Um, If somebody has a really severe bleed, they can expect to do more treatment. The acupuncture, it just can be harder to treat if there's more damage. But they both tend to respond.
0: Mm -hmm. It's just that you've got more damage. Generally, the wet has more damage, and so you need more treatment to correct that. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, The micro system, the one that you learned in Arkansas... It sounds like that's one of the systems, but you've also spent some time in Denmark, correct? Yes. And and working with someone out there, and there's evidently yet another way of thinking about working with the eyes. Can you clue us in on this?
2: So there's an acupuncturist uh, there and his son, John Bull, junior and senior. And I've just trained with John uh, junior, who's about my age, and uh, had some just really great, fun experiences over there. But his dad started out doing, as my understanding, a very similar system or maybe the same system as PEAR, a microacupuncture-type system using points by the heads of the metacarpals and metatarsals. And over time, I guess John Sr. is quite a tinkerer uh, of these different modalities. And so he developed, to my knowledge, the system where going more into the the center of the joint. So
0: rather than the head of the bone, bone is going more into
2: the joint space not deep into it but mm-hmm. up to the the joint so it's it's a different location but what they have done is made little miniature spines going around the different joints so it's not really based on Chinese medicine at all but more based on the dermatomes in the body so the nerve maps
0: so they're not thinking liver channel uh, gallbladder channel No, they're thinking what dermatome innervates what area Exactly.
2: So it's a, it's a really simplified system of acupuncture, but it, it can be really, really profound. I mean, I've had people in the clinic doing that system. Uh, and so you only use four points with that system, so one in each hand and one in each foot per in- treatment.
0: Instead of five in each foot.
2: Right, and three in each hand. So, But I've had people drop even three or four lines on the eye chart <laughs> within two hours.
0: That's impressive. Yeah. Do they do they also change on that chart with the grid in that um, time? Yeah,
2: over time. Yeah. Over time, but the acuity seems to be what I notice most uh, impact on. So that's quickly. the
0: first thing that changes is the acuity.
2: Sometimes it Sometimes. will depend. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And these again, there's so there's a there's a protocol. It's it's the hands, it's the feet. Do you ever add other points? You use body points, or I'll use, or mix and sure. match in some you know other Chinese medicine type thinking to yep,
2: I'll sometimes protocols. add points on the forehead. Um, I know in Denmark they at least when I learned they were adding bladder two and yu yao. I for years have added gallbladder fourteen and yin tang. but I think any of those uh, points above the eye can work well. I don't tend to add those if there's a heat condition. I will tend to go down and use points on the feet. I really like stomach 44 and liver 2 are some of my favorite points for bringing down a lot of heat or pressure in the head, or the eyes, rather.
0: Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective, what can people expect in terms of changes and improvement, let's say, over the course of 6 or 12 months?
2: It will vary on a lot of factors. And that's kind of the, the you know, people often ask that. They want to know, you know, just that. What can I expect from these treatments? So much of it depends on uh, lifestyle. Have they been a smoker? Have they taken care of themselves weight-wise? Are they obese or not? their diet as we talked about in my class there was the young guy with a retinal disease with his standard lunch and and breakfast was a those gas station donuts and Mountain Dew and i finally had to send him away you know i said you need to talk to him about rectifying his diet and making a lot of changes because there's just nothing for me to work with so typically I'm really happy if they drop at least a couple lines on the eye chart and they start to notice an increased brightness. A lot of times they'll notice an increased sense of color, so things just seem to be brighter. It's almost like uh, you know this opening of the eyes too. I also think it goes very much unexamined, this idea of the emotions in uh, acupuncture. And I have this term that I use called shen stagnation, where, where some people are just so stagnated in their ability to express emotion. And I see this quite often with um, especially older women who haven't been given a voice. You know, they maybe have this overbearing husband or have been, had a very subservient role. So there's this idea of them not having been able to express themselves or who they are, their, their shen or their spirit throughout their life. And I don't see that as more of like a, maybe that's the cause of their macular degeneration.
0: Do you notice people's emotional habits changing with treatment or do they come back and report changes in, in that way?
2: Well, what's amazing and how with Chinese medicine, why I think it's so important to or why it's so great that we can treat these diseases is I don't look at macular degeneration degeneration as a eye disease per se, I look at it as a systemic circulatory disorder because these little plaques chemically and structurally are virtually the same as any other plaques that are in our body, in our heart or you know, brain.
0: And So they're so, really a bit like phlegm.
2: Exactly. But just the fact that it's in the eye, you know, it, it's not just in the eye. I mean, that's, I think that's observed to think that way. I think it's systemic so in looking at the whole body as we do in chinese medicine is so important to do everything we can to help with circulation and not just concentrate on the eye because it to me it's not an eye problem
0: it's a circulatory problem it's a
2: systemic problem it's a systemic problem so i think that's where the disconnect is with western medicine where they're so focused on just the eye that the eye is the problem but the eye the eye is sort of Maybe the effect or something. It's it's, it's the
0: uh, it's the branch in a way.
2: It's the branch. It's not the root. In the class, we talk about you know root and branch. Or,
0: well, and, that, and that's such a fundamental
2: <coughs>
0: thought with Chinese medicine that that there's the branch manifestations and then there's the underlying root. Right. And we need to pay attention to both of those. Right. So you're teaching classes.
2: I am. Yeah. I I saw a definite need. For it, as I talked earlier about, you know, this the challenge is there's so few of us doing these protocols, and I just think it, it drives me crazy. I'm, on one hand, sure, I'm flattered if somebody comes from, uh, you know, out of town to see me, but by the same token, then they're going to go home, and then how do they get continuing care?
0: Yeah, because and continuing I, care is part of the scene, right? Right,
2: and I differ on, with Pear on that, and that I don't. You know I'm thinking what other chronic degenerative disease do we treat twice a year with Chinese medicine and so that was kind of his protocol was to have people come either once or twice a year, but to me, that just never made any sense like how do you how do you maintain that level of wellness and so I'm very much trying to cultivate a local clientele, but then when people come from farther away i do my best to try to have them either send their acupuncturists to one of my classes or I'll I'll get online and to nccom and try to find an acupuncturist in their area that maybe can come to one of my classes because to me it's a supply demand problem to a large degree i mean as i said we could be helping 30 million people 20 million 30 million who knows supposedly 8 million people at least we'll have these uh, macular degeneration by 2020, over right. two years. So, uh, you know, we just we need more of us doing this. And, uh, you know, I've run into some practitioners who think this should maintain or be like some high-cost protocol that only certain acupuncturists can learn, um, which to me is absolutely absurd. As you probably saw from the class, it's not... Incredibly difficult to learn, but it, there is a process to learning it. But once you properly learn it, it's is not difficult to practice at all. And so, to me, this should be these protocols should be taught in the schools, and they should be. I mean, it should be like treating spleen qi deficiency or something. If the different protocols and about the diseases and how to go about treating the different conditions, I mean, it's it drives me bananas that we're not teaching these more. And,
0: well, the reason that I am here at the international headquarters of <laughs> pindoctor.com <laughs> is, is because I did just recently take the class. And one of the things that was really interesting for me about it is that, yes, there are these points. And when I look at a, a little point chart, you know, or you tell me where it is, I think it's in a certain place. But actually, especially with the uh, the microacupuncture, they're at the heads of the... Uh, of the uh, long bones in the hands and the feet, they're actually a little tricky to find at first. They're not exactly where I thought they were, and there's some very specific ways that you have of needling these. Mm -hmm. So absolutely any acupuncturist can learn it. But there's uh, the hands-on piece of it I found really helpful.
2: Right. So I keep my classes very small. Um, I limit them to 12, but that's really important to me like you said, these these protocols aren't difficult to learn, but they are a bit nuanced, especially the ACUNOVA protocol. And so... And the
0: ACUNOVA is... That's
2: the one f- that I learned from John Bull, yep.
0: Where they go in, where you go into, into the, the joint, joint
1: space, yeah.
2: yeah. And I asked John and his wife Corinne very specifically if I could show in my classes, show practitioners how to do that and, and talk about that, and they agreed. But I'm also... I've sent probably at least 10 students over to Denmark, too, a very good funnel for them. Because I...
0: So they do a lot of, um, do they do primarily eye, you know, acupuncture for eyes there, or are they They're treating known everything? for that,
2: but they will treat anything. They'll
0: there. treat anything with their particular microsystem, right. using the dermatotones, basically. Right. Right. When they see eye patients, what is their sort of treatment schedule?
2: Same, same type of protocol. So they'll usually have people come for a week or, or two. Mm-hmm. I think with the more severe diseases, people will stay for two weeks.
0: So they do a week or two and then some sort of... Yep. regular follow-up. And
2: Aalum, Denmark, is not very easy to get to. It's in northern Denmark. So it's probably about, a, um, I went up there, maybe a um, two-and-a-half-hour train ride or so from Copenhagen.
0: So they're kind of out in the boonies. They are. they got a big acupuncture <laughs> clinic out in the boonies. Yep,
2: yep. But people come from all over to get treatment there. But I wonder if we can just circle back to what you were talking about with the the points and... In the classes, where I've had many acupuncturists contact me, like, "Oh, what are the points? Show me the, tell me the points." But the point I, <laughs> no pun intended, make in the class and with the practitioners, it's not about learning the points. It's about learning the whole system about how to understand the different conditions. What are they? What is retinitis pigmentosa? What is Stargardt's? What is macular degeneration? And then also learning about the different types of Western medical treatments, what's available. What are the, we talk about the different eye scans. So if you have a patient come in with an OCT, you at least have some understanding like, oh, that's what that is, or a visual field scan. And then actually doing the needling is so important to me to have a small group because um, I'm a little bruised here on one uh, digit. But I have every student needle me multiple times, because, especially with the Acunova, because it is so nuanced. It's, it's a peculiar style of needling, but I want them to do it right. And I, so it, it just wouldn't work and you probably won't see me in a, a, a Sheraton room of 300 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Mats, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners here today? I
2: would just encourage acupuncturists to not be afraid of treating the eyes, for one thing. And there seems to be a lot of kind of misinformation out there about these protocols and who can do them and why and whatnot. But i you know, I'm working on some other projects to try to get um, some book projects and, and video to try to make it as accessible and available as possible it's just we need more of us doing these protocols that's the bottom line
0: it sounds like we'd be able to help a lot of people yeah 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 thank you for the work you're doing and uh, thanks for being on the show all right thanks as always for listening if you liked this conversation if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight share the episode with your friends if you want to support geological